you know that we've been going through a series on our vision statement and we're uh, in that statement of making disciples and we will be for some time. I want to read uh, just that a brief verse um, from Matthew's Gospel and the commission that Jesus gave to us, to his disciples, to go and make disciples. So I'm going to read from Matthew 28 and then from Luke 6. So if you have your Bibles with you, and uh, we'll also have it on the screen as well. Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that's the kind of theme I'm picking up this morning of obedience. And turning to Luke chapter 6, I just want to read some uh, words of Jesus. Um, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is trained, fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank? In your own eye, you hypocrite. First take out the plank of your own eye, then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug deep down and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Isn't Jesus amazing? Every time you just listen to what he has to say, you think, this man is amazing. And he's our saviour. And he's for us. Let's just pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, thank you for your words that we have. Words of life to us. Light to our feet. 
Holy Spirit, will you help us as we share this time together in learning what it means to be a disciple of yours. As we go on this journey together, make us more like you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Another thing that Jesus said, uh, recorded for us in John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. I'm uh, really fond of this story. I don't know if you've heard it before. A few years ago, a group of American tourists, they could have been any tourists, but they happen to be American tourists, were on a conducted tour of the House of Commons when a Labour Lord entered the central lobby wearing his ceremonial garb. And he wanted to catch the attention of uh, Neil Kinnock, who happened to be there. And he was over on the far side of the house, and he had to shout. And he said, Neil! And dutifully, 50 Americans knelt uh, in the central lobby of the House of Commons. I love it. Responding to authority. Also read this week of uh, Alexander the Great. Lived centuries before Jesus. Led probably one of the most amazing military armies of all time. And uh, it's interesting to note that his armies weren't made up of so many slaves, but people who were loyal to him. There's a story, I don't know if it's true, I read it uh, um, this uh, week, that he and a small company of his soldiers approached a strongly defended walled city and demanded the surrender of the city. And the king who was in this uh, walled fortified city just laughed at them because there were only a small group of them. And uh, he just said, you're outnumbered. We have a well-fortified city. And Alexander just called some of his troops forward. And uh, nearby was just a, a sheer cliff. And he ordered them to march. And they marched over the cliff. And when the 10th soldier died, the king surrendered because he knew that he could not match Alexander's army. Amazing, isn't it? Saved a lot of lives from within the city and his own army. Incredible obedience, isn't it? I read that thinking, gosh, that's incredible. I don't know what strikes you when you hear the word obedience or obey. You know, the discussions I have with prospective couples when they're going to get married, uh, the word obey has been kind of, and understandably so, because what they're really promising is to submit to one another. But I was a rebellious teenager, as some of you may know. And the word obedience was just rancor with me. If, if my parents told me I should do something, I would normally do the opposite. I don't know how you respond to the word obedience. But we're going to look at that word in the context of discipleship this morning. And in the Bible, the word means yielding, submitting to authority. And in the context of being a follower of Jesus Christ, a life of obedience to Jesus 
is the fruit of faith. It springs out of our gratitude for the grace we have received. As we have worshipped together and reminded ourselves of the amazing love that God has for us, as we live that out, it will be proved genuine in our obedience to Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus means to follow him, to go the way he goes, to seek to do what he would do, to accept his plan and will for our lives. Our desire is to be more like him. Is that your desire? To be more like Jesus? And in addition to faith and hope in Christ, we play a part in this transformation of obedience. If we want to be more like Jesus, we need to do something about it. Christ-likeness must be something that we plan for. Jesus said, a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is trained, fully trained, will be like his teacher. Simon Ponsonby, uh, when he talks, uh, I've heard him use this illustration, he's, he's very friend, a lot of friends that he has are in the SAS. And uh, there on the wall of their gymnasium where they train, it says, someone somewhere is training. And if you meet them in battle, they will win. Someone somewhere is training. To be a disciple of Jesus means that we will spend the rest of our lives apprenticed to Jesus, learning from him. Jesus did. He came to save us. But he never said that following him would be easy or living for him would be easy. But he did say it would be the best. And that means different things in different contexts. For Yosef, as we've prayed for him this morning, it means something very different. As he spends this day saying, I will live for Jesus and I'm prepared to die for Jesus. For he has discovered, as we have, that only in Jesus can we find forgiveness for the past, new life for the present, and a glorious eternal life for the future. Grace is amazing, and it's enough for our salvation. In obedience, Jesus gave us a fantastic model. He, as we read right at the beginning of our service, Jesus became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus lived his life in obedience to his Father. There in Gethsemane, you can read it. He says, not my will be done, Father, but yours be done. With the prospect of the cross before him, he didn't want to go that way, but he submitted in obedience to his Father. Jesus has saved us. It's a free gift. We don't have to earn salvation. We could never do that. But Jesus also came to build his church to be a witnessing community to the world. He wants to build a church for mission. That was the great commission that he gave to go out and make disciples. He never intended his church to become a religious institution or a comfortable club in which we can spend the rest of our days waiting for the return of Jesus. No, the church, his disciples, the followers of Jesus are God's agents for the healing of the whole creation. 
God's rescue team sent out to be his witnesses. It's interesting to note that Jesus was so honest about the cost of discipleship. You read through the Gospels, huge crowds gathered around him and then you'll read certain verses when Jesus talked about the cross and carrying your cross and the crowds petered out. Many turned back. But for those of us who have experienced Jesus' love, have known the truth that he laid his life down for us and that he actually looks for total response on our part. Discipleship is about complete allegiance, repentance, change of heart and mind. Our faith is not based on obedience. We don't earn it. You know, I spend so much of my time saying that Christianity is not about do's and don'ts of earning salvation. But when you begin to follow Jesus, he is looking for obedience. But sometimes, as in my mindset, obedience has a negative thing. And that's just me. And I need to renew my mind by the Holy Spirit to see obedience to Jesus as an adventurous response to faith. That actually obedience can be the most exciting thing that we can do in our lives. Seeking to live out the commands of Jesus day by day in the spiritual battlefield that is our daily lives. That obedience is racing towards God's promising. Taking hold of everything that Christ Jesus took hold of us for. Dallas Willard in his book, The Great Omission, which uh, is just a super book if you want to read it for yourselves, reflecting on recent history of the Western church and the culture of the Western church, he says that we have cultivated a spirituality where obedience to the word of God is seen as a non-essential of being a Christian. And that's quite a sweeping statement, isn't it? But there is an element of truth that we all see in that. That certainly within the Western church, and I'm talking very broadly here, we have cultivated a spirituality where obedience to the word of God is seen as a non-essential, an optional extra. And uh, that was the discussion he had about either are you a Christian, just a Christian, or are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because he sees a church that's fitted into a comfortable compromise of conditioned discipleship. You know, the people, are, I do smile when I meet people who say, well, I'm not religious, but I keep the commandments. You know, I don't want to talk about Jesus, but I keep the commandments. And, and I kind of want to say, which one? The first one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And have no one else before him. I remember before I was a Christian, I was not a sinner. I got quite upset with radical Christians, who, particularly my elder brother, who called me a downright sinner. And I thought, well, I'm not really a sinner. Because in my mind, I knew what a sinner was. Have you looked at the first commandment, Phil? I fell at the first one. Dallas Willard also tells a story of when he was leading a retreat, a Christian retreat. 
and he was one of the speakers and another speaker was introduced and it was Father so-and-so will be leading a session this evening on Zen spirituality. I can tell you're all shocked. It was a Christian retreat. And they'd invited a speaker who was a Christian minister to teach on Zen spirituality. Confused? What has happened to the church of Jesus Christ? He argues that the real church of God is present where people gather together in the power of the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. In the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Where God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are worshipped and put first. Where there is a commitment to the gospel and its cause. We all know that it is possible to have an outward form of religion, but not experience its life or its power. And that's all it is, religion. And religion is bankrupt. It is worthless. It's man-made. If Jesus is not at the center, if the Holy Spirit is not loved and welcomed, if discipleship has become an optional extra, then there's no life. Even good churches, Dallas Willard argues, are in danger of becoming not the radical, world-changing, hell-plundering people of God. I love that. Radical, world-changing, hell-plundering, meaning we're saving people. We're seeing people saved into the kingdom of God because if they're not saved into the kingdom of God, whose kingdom are they in? Which is what we're meant to be. Just become a body of people who consume Christian services and think that that is being a Christian. That consumption of Christian services can replace radical obedience to Jesus Christ. But if discipleship, or put it another way, spiritual formation is the process where by the inmost being of an individual, heart, mind, soul and strength takes on the quality and the character of Jesus himself. It requires a whole life process. Heart, soul, mind, strength. And we are called to be radically different. And I believe the church, the true church of Jesus Christ, as it stands up, will look so radically different from this world in which we live. That's why it's not tolerated by the tolerant people who will tolerate everything but the church of Jesus Christ. Makes me laugh. That's our goal, to become more like Jesus. What are we doing about it? If it's our goal to obey what Jesus taught, do we know what Jesus taught? Or is our understanding of what Jesus taught just hearsay from what we've heard other people say? You know, that's why I just chose one little segment of what Jesus said. If we were just to take that home and live it out this week to the best of our abilities... There would be an amazing transformation. We're called to be obedient to Jesus' words, to the gospel, to the truth of the word of God. Do we cultivate an understanding and a relationship with God that bears fruit in obedience? Because we live in a very instant society. And sometimes even the church of Jesus Christ has fallen for a drive-through spirituality where we want it the quick fix. 
If you want to become like Jesus, that doesn't happen on the quick fix. Even among some Bible-believing charismatics, and I have to say I'm one of them, there's a temptation to short-circuit holiness. The idea that character and personality and heart are going to be transformed by some sort of lightning strike by the Holy Spirit. The technical term for this is being zapped. If you've not heard that technical term, I'll explain it to you afterwards. And there are times, wonderful and moments, when I have been zapped by the Holy Spirit. And he has done things within my heart. He has brought change within my life. He has given me new passions. He gave me a passion for revival in an encounter with him. I'd always wanted to see the lost saved. But he put it in my heart. But I cannot become like Jesus in that moment. Whenever we have those amazing, glorious encounters, and I think we should all have them more and more and want them more and more and seek them more and more and respond more and more. But not to rely on that to say, well, that's going to change everything. We have to work that out every day. I'm not for a moment downplaying the importance of seeking more of the Holy Spirit. Don't mishear me because I, for one, would be the one who's saying, yeah, we run for more and more whenever the opportunity arises. We pray every day to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But he enables us to work out that every day. But it needs our commitment, our obedience to dig down deep. Jesus' story there that we read together, he said, This is the picture I want you to understand of the man who hears my words and woman and puts them into practice. They're like a man who started building a house. And if you picture the scene in in the summertime in Israel, there would have been these huge sort of sandy beds, wonderful flat areas where you could build a great house. But when the September rains come, those flat areas just become a torrent of water person who hears my words and, and puts them into practice is the one who builds on the rock. It takes effort and work and dig down deep and lay the foundations. And when the river comes, it will stand. Eugene Peterson's book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, kind of sums that up. Spiritual transformation into Christ-likeness is not going to happen unless we engage, work with God, walk with God, make him Lord day by day by day, and he becomes the driving force of our life. To choose God's way above the world's way, even our own. Training our heart and mind in spiritual disciplines. Mark Davies, who spoke at, uh, I think it was our first Men of Courage event. He uh, uh, was recommended by Simon Ponsonby. SAS trained himself, and he trained himself. I don't know, I don't think he shared this at the time, but he shared at another meeting that he trained himself to strip down a machine gun and shoot right-handed and left-handed, to be as equally proficient left-handed and right-handed. Hours, hours, thousands of hours he taught himself Because in the heat of battle, who knows if he would have his right hand shot or 
And that's an amazing picture. If you transfer it into the area of discipleship, train ourselves for warfare. Hours of training and the fruit of it in the heat of battle. Spiritual training, as we'll discover in the weeks to come, requires discipline. And some of you may be saying, well, what about grace? This all sounds a bit sort of do's and don'ts to me. Isn't Christianity all about a relationship with God? Well, of course it is. But grace is not opposed to discipline. Grace is not opposed to training or obedience. Grace is opposed to earning. We'll never earn God's love. He loves us unconditionally. We'll never earn salvation. But as we become a disciple of Jesus Christ, then we choose to be obedient. We choose to be disciplined. We choose to turn away from sin when temptation comes. And it's easier to turn away from sin when you are disciplined. When you have trained yourself. Make it our aim to become a person who routinely does what Jesus would do. What he would say. Even what he would think. Not an easy thing. David in his Psalms often reflects that struggle in his own life. But in Psalm 16, he says, I keep the Lord always before me. I keep the Lord always before me. Now, he was a great man of God who struggled with sin, and you can read all the details in the scriptures, but he made it his desire to seek after God. Joseph, a great character in the Old Testament. If you don't know his story, it's a great read. Read it for yourselves. But if he hadn't trained his heart... In the things of God, if he hadn't trained his will, Mrs. Potiphar would have got hold of more than just his coat. And if you don't know the story, it's a great story. He trained his eyes. He trained his heart. Otherwise, he would have fallen. Whether it's in that area... Or other areas of anxiety or anger or bitterness that can so easily take hold of us, blow us off course. The call to obedience. John Calvin, great theologian, said true knowledge of God is born out of obedience. Obedience in the big stuff. I mean, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, that's big stuff. But obedience in the small stuff, what we say with our mouths, how we treat one another. Obedience in the things of God, but baptism. I believe believers' baptism is something about obedience. Not do I feel ready, but am I going to stand for Jesus? Jesus wants us to be baptised. It's worked out at home and work and school, our relationships. It's tested every day, isn't it? We read those few words from Jesus. Do not judge. Do not condemn. Forgive. Give. Are we training ourselves to hear the word of God? 
and then put it into practice. And then Jesus uses these visual sort of verbal cartoons. They're great, aren't they? The way Jesus communicated with people. He talked about blind leading the blind. And you're supposed to imagine that in your mind's eye. Now, how can the blind lead the blind? You know, you're thinking of, and it looks just so silly. And they're both just wandering off into a pit. Come on. They fall down the pit. How can a blind lead the blind? And the speck of dust one, I've, I've mentioned that before. It does, it's so funny. But it has such an amazing point. This person is constantly finding fault, pointing out others' faults and failures, oblivious that they've got this huge problem. It's always easier to see other people's problems, isn't it? Jesus says, sort yourself out, you hypocrite. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't do what I say. Build a house on good foundations. Jesus' word, believed, applied, put into practice. Both the call and the cost of discipleship is obedience. But I want us to see obedience in a different way, as an adventure. To be obedience to God, not as some sort of, oh, but something that, oh, that's fantastic. I'm going to live this life to the full. I'm going to grab hold of all that Jesus got hold of me for. I'm going to live differently. I can begin today. God is raising up an army. It's wonderful um, when people share words, they feel God has spoken. Uh, Brenda shared one with me last week. Uh, I think it was the week before, actually, where you had this picture of uh, she was seeing feet. But they were standing still, but ready to move. I don't know if I've praised that well. But we had another visiting lady on the same day who gave us a word that she saw us as a church, as an army, being made ready to march. And then I married the two up. Being made ready to take the land. Oh, God, let it be comes out of obedience, discipline, holiness, people made ready. When Joshua was about to take the land, the promised land, he was told to consecrate himself and the people of God. C.H. Spurgeon, blessed be his name, he said, we are to understand the church as a barracks for soldiers to gather together to be drilled and trained for war. When have you thought of church like that? <laughs> Barracks for soldiers where we gather to drill and train for war. Obedience. Something that Jesus calls us to. That great commission. Go and make disciples and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Who's up for it? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to be our saviour. Thank you for your amazing grace. And we just ask, Lord, that you would just come and anoint us afresh 
with a desire in our heart to live for you. Lord, you know us. You know our hearts this morning. You know the things that we're carrying right now. But we're yours. Why else would we be here? And if you're not the Lord's yet, if you haven't made a commitment to Jesus yet, and you're here this morning because there's something about the people of God that attracts you. There's something about Jesus that you know you can't get away from. Well, he's calling you to sign up to be part of his community, part of his rescue team, part of that uh, army that will bring good news to this world. And if that's you, I encourage you just to take a step of faith this morning, to ask Jesus into your life, to trust him, that he who died for you on the cross wants to give you eternal life, forgiveness as a gift, and then call you to follow him. Help us, Lord, to be followers of yours, disciplined disciples. And even this week, as we read your word, as we find time just to read the words of Jesus, help us to not just hear them, but to put them into practice as best we can. We ask for your help in that. At home, at work, at school or college or wherever you place us, we ask for your help. But we want to say yes to you. Yes to you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to.